Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We are kicking off a brand new season, a brand new chapter at the 8 o'clock hour. We've been at 12.15, so we're glad that uh, we can welcome any new listeners to the program today. And of course, the program today is going to be a little bit um, abnormal because we're missing two of the... Two of the guys, aren't we, Phil? Yeah, we are. We're missing two of our regulars, so you and I are going to have to uh, work a little extra hard, but we're delighted to have uh, our guest with us today. Yeah. I'll, I'll yep. let you introduce him. Yeah, so this, uh, in, this in the studio, we have uh, Matt Marino. Um, now, outside of my father, um, this is the man who's most humanly responsible for bringing me into the pastorate. I'm so thankful. Uh, he trained me for like um, eight years at the Well Church. That's the church that you planted. Um, and then you went back to seminary. Now you're back in town. And uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Well, I've been in the Boise area for 19 years, minus the, I'd say almost two, couple failed attempts to go to Florida. And then the successful one, uh, RTS. So I just got done with RTS. Uh, the, my MDiv. Um, tell, really? tell, tell the listeners what RTS is. Oh, yeah. Is. Sorry about that. Uh, Reform Theological Seminary. Uh, they have several different campuses. The one that I went to is in Orlando, Florida, just because I have family that lives there. And um, so my goal is to, uh, you know, get a PhD and get into that world. I had enough people over the years tell me, uh, you'd be better at uh, being a seminarian than a pastor. So I finally took them up on that. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I've got four kids and my wife, Emily, and we all... Uh, they range between uh, 19 and uh, 19. Josh is going to kill me for that. Uh, he's not 19 yet. A couple weeks. Got ahead of myself. Two nine years old, my four kids. And uh, yeah, so uh, and uh, we're over at uh, Dayspring right now. I'm, I'm helping Jonathan out, and uh, we're, we're liking it so far and, and uh, preaching through Jonah. So uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a perfect show. So like I said, we're kicking off the new 8 o'clock hour. And we want our listeners to understand what we mean by the gospel for life. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take um, an overview of the book of First Corinthians. And um, if you know anything about First Corinthians, it's, it's Paul's letter to the, the city of Corinth. And what he basically does is he's teaching them doctrine, but it's in the context of all the particular problems that this church faces. And there's something that's very striking about the very – the, the issues that he addresses in each one. Phil, do you want to tell us what's striking about all these problems that he addresses them with? Well, yeah. Uh, what's striking throughout uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is that with every problem that the church is dealing with, and, and the Corinthian church had a lot of them. The, the, the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. And by the way, let me just throw in an editorial comment here that we often, or at least I, I used to think, wow, wouldn't it be great, you know, if the Apostle Paul was still with us today on the earth and writing letters, and maybe I would even get a letter from Paul. Oh, my word. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm speaking facetiously. Um, very often when you got a letter from Paul, you were getting taken to the woodshed. Yeah. And, and the Corinthian church was definitely getting taken in a, in a loving and, and gracious way. 
they were getting taken to the woodshed for a lot of problems. And uh, But the way that Paul deals with those problems, he addresses every one of them with the gospel. Yes. Uh, that the gospel uh, is not just about our salvation. The gospel is about the Christian life. Uh, the gospel is about uh, uh, living out our discipleship together uh, in the church. So uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack uh, the way that Paul used the gospel to address every one of these situations, problems in the church at Corinth. Yep. Well, let's jump right in then. Um, if you if you have your Bible, open up your Bible, and and Paul basically opens up the letter by giving his his greeting, and um, he's very careful to affirm the truth about their identity. He says to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now that greeting alone is amazing. If you simply, I was talking to Jonathan about this the other day, and if you, if you look at the Belgic Confession, the three marks of the church according to the Belgic Confession are the preaching of the word, the right, administrative, uh, right administration of the sacraments, and church discipline. Mm-hmm. And in the book of Corinthians, the Corinthian church jacks all those up. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, like, this is, this is barely a church. I mean, and I'm not, not trying to be, you know, hyperbolic, but this church had major problems. Yes. But how does Paul speak to them to the saints who are at Corinth mm-hmm. he was talking he he uh, he called them out by their identity and then he deals with their condition later on right. so the first problem so uh, uh Matt do you want to give us the overlay what's the first problem that that the church that Paul deals with here well the first is definitely division um and that's at least the problem is obvious um I think there's false ways that we can try to solve the problem. There's a false unity. But I think Paul clearly lays out that there are uh, what we would call factions and faction building. Uh, And there's another phrase for it that's sometimes used, party spirit. And I especially like that phrase because I think it really hits on the true nature of the division. Uh, As you read this and as you read Paul's solution, it becomes difficult to try to solve the problem with, well, let's just agree to disagree and water down doctrine or something like that, because they're really not having an honest disagreement about doctrine to begin with. You don't hear him say in verses uh, 4 through, sorry, uh, 10 and on, you don't hear him say, oh, I am of uh, open theism, or I am of hypothetical universalism, or I am of whatever. Um, now, they could say, they could say, I am of Calvin, I am of Wesley, or whatever else, and that would be more what he's talking about. So this party spirit division is not an honest disagreement over doctrine. Uh, it, it's not the problem is not passion. The problem is not volume level. The problem is not precision. The problem is lining up between mere mortals, not over their what they're emphasizing in terms of their truth, but their style. Genuinely secondary, worse than secondary things that they're making into main things. Mm-hmm. And that's very human, isn't it? Uh, it is very human to want to band together and, and take any issue, and, and whether within the church or outside the church. You know, um, I'm better than you because I'm a Giants fan and you're a Dodgers fan, and so yeah. you're obviously evil and stupid yeah. uh, because you're a Dodger fan. Now, obviously, that's a facetious example, yeah. although, you know, please don't ever be a Dodger fan, anyone. That, <laughs> you know, just stay away from that. Amen. Uh, um <laughs> But 
you know, the, the human heart wants that. The, the human heart wants the affirmation, the, the, the fallen human heart, let yeah. me say, the sinful human heart, wants the affirmation of a group. And, and, and the double affirmation, my group is good and yours is bad. Yeah. So I think Matt is right on that the, that the, if you're going to, if you're going to have a difference of opinion, at least make sure it's over something significant. Yeah. This is just about pride. Yep. Now what's interesting to me. So Paul explicitly says, um, I hear that there is quarreling among you. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Christ crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes on to introduce the solution to this problem. Now, if you are a very immature church and you have pride and division amongst you, and if you're a pastor, how do you address those problems in the local church? What I find extremely fascinating is that Paul takes one of the most controversial doctrines of the gospel, namely election, and he uses election to, to level the pride of this church. Mm -hmm. Now, th doesn't that seem counterintuitive to you? I mean, like, okay, well, let, let, before we get into the controversial doctrines like election and the grace of God, let's like ease into it. You know, we, we better take something a little less controversial if we're going to deal with the real fleshly problems of this right. church. But that's right. not Paul's intuition, is it? No, no. Yeah, if, if, if I was writing the Corinthian letter and thank, thank the Lord I wasn't, uh, I, I might say, well, let's start with the love of God. And of course, the love of God is in here, implicit. But that's not where he begins. You know, God loves you, so you ought to just love each other. Yeah. No, he cuts them off at the knees with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you, well, when he says in verse 26, consider your calling, brothers. And maybe I'm jumping ahead a little no, bit. No, that's perfect. Forgive that's me. absolutely perfect. But uh, verse 26, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly, worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. In other words, you know, you are a bunch of losers. Yes. And... Don't get get off your high horse. You you have you have no place to stand up in pride and and condemn brothers and sisters and 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 nurture this party spirit. You were all chosen by God, not because of any worth in you, but because God in his, in His love and His grace chose you. In fact, you gave Him reasons to not choose you. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he I mean, think about how insulting this is, right? He calls them foolish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when you said they're a bunch of losers, that's you're not being hyperbolic. You're, no. you're actually just faithfully exposing the text. Yeah. So, so um, Matt, you recently preached through this. How did you ad address this issue in your in your messages? Well, I remember this particular one. I, I I said something about God's choice. I think the title was God's choice is for cross boasting, but that was just referring down to the last part of this first chapter. It is instructive to notice that of the two problems in chapter one, arrogance and division, um, we could make a really strong case that arrogance is not only behind the division, 
but is actually behind a lot of the other problems that they face. Uh, some clues of that, one of them is in the discipline passage, just to relate it back to chapter one, is then he says, are you arrogant? And, that, and that's in a place where it's a little odd at first. Like, why would it, why would he call him arrogant for that? But anyway, if you look at all the other problems that they face, you could make the case that this kind of pride that they have is really the root of a lot of the other problems. Now, that's important because election is the remedy for that. So if election is the remedy, if election is what severs the root of the of the main sin that's causing all the other sins, I think it's very instructive to see the the place that Paul and really the role that Paul uses election in, not just here, but think of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Romans 11, 6, and uh, you know, obviously verse 30 here. It all seems to be saying that uh, I want you to ponder this idea of election so that no one will boast. It, it seems like God is making war against human boasting by divine election. And I so how does, how does divine election cut off human boasting? I mean, maybe our listeners don't know what a divine election is. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do those mm-hmm. two things relate together? Yeah, um, that the doctrine of election, among a lot of other things, tells us that if you're a believer— you're a Christian, it's not because you had some great spiritual insight, it's not because you were um, a dedicated seeker, it's not because you had some spiritual perception that was above and different than others. Uh, No, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Mm. as the book of Ephesians says, and God raised you up. God simply chose you. He loved you because he loved you. He loved you because he loved you and and called you to himself and gave you life, regenerated your heart. And uh, so we have no ground for boasting. Yeah, it cuts, literally severs the root of the ability to boast. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's our first program in, the, in this series. And what we, what we want you to see is that what Paul is going to do over and over and over again in the book of 1 Corinthians is that he presents a problem that the Corinthians are having. And then he presents the gospel, although be it from a, maybe a different facet, as the solution every single time. So we hope you tune in. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. 